Rinkwide Vancouver. It was billed as a heavyweight showdown. Unfortunately, only one team showed up, and that was the Boston Bruins opening some old wounds in this market. As the Bruins defeat the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 4-0, they shut them out. All Bruins in this one. Lots to talk about on rink-wide Vancouver. Jeff Patterson joined once again by Irfan Gaffar. Usually, we're in our downtown studio in the Wall Center Hotel. We're working remotely on this one, but uh, always like to tell you about the Wall Center, centrally located in the heart of it all. Sports games, theaters, restaurants, shopping, all just a short walk away. And whether you have people in from out of town or you're considering a staycation, make sure to give the Wall Center some consideration. Well, it started poorly, Earth, and it didn't get a whole lot better for the Vancouver Canucks, and this power play that's been red hot is also leaking uh, like you wouldn't believe these days. So, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it is a bad loss, and the Canucks played poorly, particularly their top players, but I also think perspective is required. They haven't had many nights like this all season, and they have earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I... I'm going to agree with you in two in, in one part there. They've earned the benefit of the doubt, but the way this game was hyped up, you just beat the Carolina Hurricanes, another good team. This is the Boston Bruins. There's so much history there. The talk before the game, people answering questions and this and that and everything that we saw on social media, and then you just lay an egg. I just, uh, that was a tough one to watch if you're a Canucks fan, but... You know, obviously, like you just mentioned, Jeff, definitely got to keep perspective in there. This team is still this team is still a very, very good hockey team. Special teams, however, on the power play and PK side, maybe not so much. Yeah, I mean, it's the first regulation loss since the loss in St. Louis on the 4th of January, if my recollection is correct. I mean, it ends a run of 10-0-2. They had picked up points in a dozen straight. So that's where I say a little bit of perspective. Uh, they're going to lose other games the rest of the way. They are. They're going to face a bunch of good teams, and they will come up short. But that's not to excuse them. And I think I, I want to make that distinction, and I want people to hear me when I say it. I'm giving the team the benefit of the doubt for all of the good that they've done to this point, but they want to be considered elite. They came into this game the top team in the National Hockey League. They were taking on number two. And again, there's history, obviously, in this market with the Boston Bruins, and so people are sensitive Uh you know, if the Canucks want to measure up, like the rest of the National Hockey League, I'm sure was sitting back and uh, sort of watching how this one was all going to go down. And 32 seconds in, the Canucks are down one nothing, and you know they get a power play a little later in the first period. And now they're down two nothing, and then the two quick ones early in the second period, and it was curtains by that point. So, I mean, when you look at the game in totality, did the Canucks' best players, their top end players, the guys that have been leading this team all season long? Guys that all went to the All-Star game, and we remarked how all those skaters that represented the Canucks at the All-Star weekend in Toronto all found their way onto the score sheet in Carolina on Tuesday. A complete no-show from the top-end guys, particularly Elias Pettersson and Elias Lindholm on the ice for all four of the goals. A season low in ice time for Elias Pettersson. Looked like he was benched there for a short stretch in the second period. Played just three minutes and 18 seconds of the second period. 14 minutes and 17 seconds on the night. And look, I mean, again, he has had a spectacular season. He is in the top 10 in NHL scoring. Uh, a month ago, he was considered one of the best players in the National Hockey League, the way that he was going when he ran roughshod through the New York area, New Jersey. But I, I do think his performance on a couple of the goals in this one, like it opens him up to criticism. And it wasn't that long ago 
that the coach said they needed more from Elias Pettersson. You know, there are two ends of the ice and it can't just all be about offense. And boy, uh, didn't like the the back check, didn't like the line that he took on the Danton Heinen goal, the 2 nothing goal there, a little slow to react. And he and JT Miller on the first one, the Marchand goal, uh, just kind of out of sync and a bunch of guys standing around at the front of the net and somebody should have taken Brad Marchand. Uh, they didn't. And yeah, I mean, they gave up the shorthanded goal the other night in Carolina to open the scoring. They gave up the shorthanded goal to Alex Texier uh, in the Columbus game before the break to open the score. This is three straight games where the Canucks have allowed a shorthanded goal to open the scoring. It's wild. Like, uh, and for a power play that cooks and as nuclear as, <laughs> as the Vancouver yeah. Canucks power play is, they give up so many chances. I hated the second goal. Just because it was, there was zero effort from Elias Pettersson to come back on that. The line that he took was just wild. It's like he waited to start skating. And then even when he did, he didn't. Um, that was bizarre for me. The first one, yeah, him and JT Miller obviously lost there. And then even then, yeah, on the fourth goal, he's kind of just went, skated to his teammate after and was like, well, what are you doing? Well, what were you doing there too? It just, it wasn't a banner night for Elias and Elias. We'll, we'll say it like that for, for both of them. Definitely going to watch the tape there. Rick Tockett, you know he is not going to be happy about that. He mentioned, obviously, Jeff, that you know he said that we needed to see more from a guy like Elias Pettersson. And I mean, I do say this tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but imagine his contract negotiation was public right now instead of you know kind of being behind closed doors a little bit. I just think that there's... This game was, again, like I said off the top, it, it was being billed at this heavyweight clash like you alluded to right off the top of the show, and the Canucks got knocked out early, early in round one. Yeah, I mean, let's just run through the goals quickly, because the Marchand goal, Thatcher Demko kind of overplays the puck and plays it to nobody. It's Charlie Coyle along the sideboards, but there's two Bruins and there's four Canucks skaters. Like, there was enough manpower there that Brad Marchand shouldn't have been you know, wide open in front of the net, and Brad Marchand knows how to put pucks in the net. Uh, the Canucks know that, uh, as does the rest of the league, and he made no mistake. So the great start for the Bruins, who got beaten handily by Calgary the other night. Like, you knew that the Bruins were going to be ready, but the Canucks had to recognize that as well. And so, you know, it, it's weird on some level. And again, I'm not giving the Canucks a pass here, but I can almost understand, like, the defensive miscue 30 seconds into the game you get a power play, you're thinking, oh my goodness, like, this is the start we're looking for. And maybe a little lax in that regard. And before you know it, the Bruins have clearly like punched you in the mouth. But the second time around, the second goal, like all these shorthanded goals you've been given up, like somebody's got to be on high alert. And so, yeah, JT Miller along the sideboards, Quinn Hughes, and the pass gets picked off. And that's where Elias Pettersson's got to recognize. And, and as you said, like, you know, you just skate straight back and you're probably going to force Danton Heinen to the outside, but he takes this line in the neutral zone that allows Heinen to get a step on him. And at that point, Pedersen's completely in no man's land. And so Elias Pedersen's got better hockey IQ than that. I, it was a minute and a half power play shift. Maybe he's tired, whatever. No, you need more. You need more there. Just a poor decision on his part. So two nothing after one. Shots are 11 to four. Uh, Canucks had, what, three shots on goal in the third period the other night in Carolina, and they had four in the first period in, in Boston. You would have thought, okay, you know, 2 nothing, not the start you're looking for, obviously, but this team scores goals, manufactures offense. They're not out of it. We've seen, seen a bunch of recent comebacks. But, like, given that, the start of the second couldn't have been any worse. 
two goals in the first minute of the second period? Like, come on. And again, it's top players. Uh, the third goal of the four that were scored on the night, I, the third was a, a goofy one, right? Like 10, 10 bounces uh, off, finally off Tyler Poor Myers. Tyler Myers. Yeah. I mean, how many times did the scorers change that goal? It was geeky, and then it was <laughs> Pasternak, and then it was geeky again. So, you know, th- that kind of stuff happens. And on a night like this, I mean, yeah, it was going to happen to the Canucks. So I'll save a huge critique of Elias Pettersson on that one, even though he was out there. But you touched on it briefly a moment ago on the 4 nothing goal. And at 3 nothing, they're probably cooked against the Bruins. They're, you know, they're not likely to come back. But again, like, where was the response at any point in this hockey game? And I was asking myself that at 3 nothing. 15 seconds later, all of a sudden it's 4 nothing, And it is Pavel Zaka just roaming into the Canucks zone. Elias Pettersson kind of uh, on his own, just meandering out there. Ian Cole gets caught pinching. Tyler Myers comes way over to the other side of the ice. Like, just all the staples that Rick Tockett has harped about forever, and they've served the Canucks so well all season, just completely out the window, and from 2 nothing to 4 nothing in a 15-second span before the second period is even a minute old. Elias Pettersson is, this is the podcast where I think that, you know, obviously it opens up to him up to a little criticism there. I mean, he's, you know, earned... The right to, he's had an unbelievable season. You mentioned the New York road trip where he ate New York and they feasted, but this one was just a, it's just a really bad game. Um, And look, I don't know what was said between the first and second period, but they came out on the second period flat too. Like there was just no response. And then look, you don't got to go and fight a guy or you don't got to go and do anything like that. I'm not, I'm not saying the Canucks are that maybe, and they're not even built like that to be completely honest, to go and try and get a spark or something like that. But the Nikita Zadorov cross check with a minute left in the game. I mean, that's probably all all the, you know, the the intensity of that game was just left there from the Vancouver Canucks. And it was tough because it, it was one of those games that, that you look at it and say you were excited to watch it. And from a Canucks point of view, like they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and go back to the drawing board hard here. It, it was effort, Jeff. I, I think that was the biggest thing was the effort from this team from the moment they dropped the puck just wasn't there. Yeah, you know, and I'm a little old school, and you're right. They didn't lose this game because they didn't fight the Boston Bruins. Like, yeah, that's, exactly. I, 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 I get that. But I, I still think that there is an element of some pushback somewhere along the line to indicate to the Bruins, but also, like, we're somebody to drag the Canucks into the fight. And, you know, JT Miller was sort of on the prowl in the first period, took a couple penalties and mixing it up, but... You know, he ended up playing 14 minutes on the night as well. So it wasn't just Elias Pettersson. Rick Tockett essentially parked his top guys and and turned the game over to the to the bottom line and, and the third and fourth lines. And, you know, Garland and Joshua and Bluger had their moments and made some things happen. And Connor Garland got into it with McAvoy in the second period there and showed a little frustration and a little heat. And you want to see some of that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that at some point the Canucks are going to have to prove that they can play the kinds of games that they're going to see here down the stretch and into the playoffs. And they're going to get tested. They're going to get tested physically. They're going to have nights where things aren't going their way. And how do they respond mentally? How do they respond physically? How do they respond offensively? Uh, Because the game can't be over 32 seconds in. There's still 59 minutes and 28 seconds of hockey left. And yet this one kind of felt like first goal in the opening minute and it just wasn't going to be the Canucks night. And, And that can't persist because... When you get to the playoffs, you're going to face good teams. You're going to face some adversity. I mean, playoffs are all about responses and matchups. And if you lose, 
you know, then how do you go about game planning for the next game? And so I am kind of curious. Like, you know, the beauty of the season is they haven't had to bounce back very often. Mm-hmm. They haven't had to have many response games. Like for the last 10 years, you know, every second <laughs> game has been some kind of response game for the Vancouver Canucks. That's gone out the window because they've won so much more than they have lost. But, you know, I, I think on a certain level, a little humble pie might not be the end of the world. Like, like how could they not feel pretty good about themselves going 12 straight games without, a, you know, without a regulation loss? So, you know, knock them down a peg here in game 51 of the season. And I am curious to see how they regroup here heading into Detroit for an early start on Saturday and then the quick turnaround, another matinee game, Washington on Sunday. So back-to-backs here on the weekend, I think it was going to be a Casey DeSmith start on Saturday regardless. I think that's probably a a certainty now as Thatcher Demko's nine-game personal win streak comes to an end. So he will remain tied for the time being with Dan Cluche in the franchise record book. He'll have another opportunity somewhere along the line to start a new streak, but uh, didn't reach double digits still. What a run for him. Just his second outright loss in his last 18 starts. And I saw some people, and again, if we're going to, you know, get the darts out for Patterson and Miller and Lindholm and, you know, a quiet night for Quinn Hughes. Thatcher Demko is part of the leadership group as well. He was one of the all-stars. I think he would want to, you know, there was some talk there about like, are they going to get the hook out here? I think they had a goaltending plan, but, you know, they stuck it out with Demko through the night. But I did see some people saying like, ultimately, they would like to see a save there somewhere along the line too. I guess if I look at the goals, I, I the Heinen one, but again, that's a breakaway. It's an NHL guy with speed coming in, and he made a nice play to hold on and kind of outweighted Demko. So uh, there have been some nights where I've kind of, you know, thought, eh, you would like to save here or there. I don't think I'm pinning this one on Thatcher Demko, or at least Thatcher Demko is down, way down my list of uh, concerns on a night like this one. No, absolutely. And... I think that, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was the guys in front of him that really didn't give him any help either, especially the PK or the power play guys, right? Just because you come back and they score all the, the shorthanded goals and things like that. It was just an ugly night in Boston at the Garden, right? It was one of those things where you look at, look, we've covered this team for a long time, Jeff. We've seen some ugly nights at the Garden. We well, have, right? yes. So, Hard to you shake. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you look at it and you sum it up as a whole. I agree with you. They're going to have a chance to bounce back and respond. And you're going to want to see what it's going to look like on Saturday afternoon or Saturday. Yeah, Saturday afternoon in Detroit because the Boston Bruins got slapped on Tuesday. And they came here. They were at home. They were ready to play this game. They had a game plan and they were ready to play and they executed. The Canucks played a pretty, pretty good hockey game on Tuesday night against the Carolina Hurricanes, a very good hockey team. And they just weren't here. So now it's going to be exciting to see what Rick Talk and his coaching staff decide to do if there's a change in goal. I know there probably is a goaltending plan, like you just mentioned here, over the course of the next two games this weekend. But yeah, the the response from the Canucks, I'd expect it to be pretty, pretty high. Yeah, just an interesting note there that the Red Wings haven't played since before the All-Star break. Uh, They're one of those teams that got its bye week coming out of the break. So Detroit hasn't played since January 31st, a 3-2 overtime loss against Ottawa. And with the early start, no morning skate. So that's a bit of a wrinkle for guys trying to get back into the groove for the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll see if the Vancouver Canucks, who have a couple of games under their belt, or at least uh, there were two on the schedule, uh, didn't really play this one in Boston. But uh, they do have the benefit of having played and practiced and all that kind of stuff. And we'll see if they can use that to their advantage and try to get a jump on Detroit at Little Caesars on 
uh, Saturday at 10 o'clock start Pacific time. And of course, we'll have another edition of Rinkwide after that. Uh, let's get into this because this is a bit of a talking point that the entire game, Earth, could have been different had the referees elected to call a penalty shot on Dakota Joshua instead of giving the Canucks the power play to start the hockey game. Dakota Joshua, I mean, great start. 15 seconds in, up the gut, on a breakaway. Jacob Lanko hooks him. I guess holding was the official penalty, but it looked like it checked off enough boxes that, like, had they pointed at center ice, I wouldn't have been shocked. And I don't know if Dakota Joshua would have scored on a penalty shot. I, I do know that the Bruins wouldn't have scored a shorthanded goal on the penalty shot. Uh, so there was that. But what did you make? Did you think that there might be a penalty shot called in that instant? It was a penalty shot all day if it was one of the Canucks' top six forwards. Let's just leave it there. I don't think yep. that Dakota yep. Joshua is getting that penalty call <laughs> shot, to be completely honest. I think that if it's Elias Pettersson, it's JT Miller, it's Brock Besser, it's Elias Lindholm, one of those guys is probably getting that penalty shot. A little bit of game management, I want to say, from, from the officiating there. But look, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It could have completely changed the game if he had scored or if he gotten the penalty shot, he would have had to score it, obviously. But I didn't like the non-call. And then obviously we saw exactly what happened. Snowball effect as soon as the first one went in on the, on the, on the penalty kill for the Bruins. Hey, and with all due respect to Dakota Joshua, like yeah. he's a double-digit goal scorer. I'm not 100%. saying that he wouldn't have scored on the penalty shot, but I think if you're the Canucks 15 seconds in, you're thinking a power play that's running at 42% over its last six games or whatever, you'll take the power play there, advantage Canucks, and 15 seconds later, they're looking up at the scoreboard thinking, hey, what, what just happened there? But uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 there is never a rhyme or reason to what's going to get called as a penalty shot. It's kind of like goaltender interference and some of the other things that happen in hockey. But uh, I did think that there was an up there that he had a step, that uh, maybe it was the fact that he got a chance, that it didn't completely negate the chance. Uh, whatever the case, uh, they sent Loco to the penalty box and uh, the Bruins were able to open the scoring there. So shorthanded goals are a massive concern now. And it'll be interesting to see with a day between games here, what the coaching staff does, like even just to stabilize things, do you go to a two defenseman set for a game or two just to try to lower the temperature there? Because, you know, you go back to Mitch Marner in the Toronto game, and then we kind of documented Texier in the Columbus game, Martinuk the other night, two here I mean, that's five shorthanded goals against in six games for a team that had given up none before Christmas and then gave up one against the Philadelphia Flyers in that 4-1 loss at Rogers Arena in the first game out of the holiday break. And so really since Christmas, all of the shorthanded goals have come against this Canucks power play. And as you said, like it, it can go lights out good for you. So, I mean, you want to lean into that and keep that same personnel. But I also wonder, like, you know, even just to send some sort of message here. And we saw, and not surprisingly, I suppose, that uh, the first power play in the second period, it was PP2 that came out. But hey, PP2 doesn't get off the hook either because it was those guys that were out there for the Martinuk goal the other night in Carolina. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, is it a crisis? Uh, I guess given how everything has gone right for this hockey club or just about everything's gone right for the Canucks this year, maybe it qualifies as a crisis. But I will be interested to see if there are any tweaks or changes made to the power play setup here just to try to stabilize things in the short term. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, what would you do? Would you would you go back to the two defensemen on the point there? I think you almost have to because you're not going to take another offensive. You're not going to take a, the, the other four guys or the other three guys out. So you're probably going to have to maybe go with Ronick back there and then just let Quinn Hughes do his thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm of mixed minds because yeah. this power play has been so good. 
And, you know, I, do you just appeal to the professional pride of these guys to, you know, button down defensively? Just make sure that you're not, you know, letting up on plays and you know, just don't let guys stand around in front of your net when you're you're shorthanded. You know, I think of the shorthanded goals, that, you know, the bad breakout against Toronto. Obviously, Pedersen fumbled the puck against the, the Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, the other night in Columbus, it was just some lax play in their own zone uh, and kind of the same on that first one tonight. Uh, and, and then obviously uh, we talked about the, the Heinen goal. So, they're, you know, it's not like the same mistake over and over and over, but um, as much as you want to think offense on the power play, uh, there are, it's a good league and there are good guys killing penalties on the other side and the Canucks are finding that out the hard way. Uh, right now, at least over this uh, recent run. So they get their lunch fed to them by the Boston Bruins. Uh, they get a rematch. And they don't have to wait long. A Saturday night showdown, the Raj on February 24th. So just over two weeks, the Bruins will be here. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, not that that game wouldn't have had hype already, but uh, just another chapter and another layer to uh, this Vancouver-Boston rivalry. Uh, the other thing, too, is... Just the second time all season, the Canucks have trailed 4-0 in a hockey game. So, you know, again, things that, that, this is a rarity. It's an outlier. It hasn't happened very often. But take this for what it's worth. The two times it's happened, at home to Vegas, and in this one against the Boston Bruins. So, you know, there probably is a learning there that Vegas came in late November Outshot the Canucks by a two-to-one margin, built a four-nothing lead. Kuzmenko scored a late goal to break a shutout, but that night, like, was all Vegas. Completely controlled the Canucks, and Boston pretty much did the same. Although uh, a much lower shot total, sort of lower event game aside from the four goals that were scored. The final shots were twenty-five seventeen, so it uh, wasn't really a shooting gallery for either team. And in fact, we'll get to the three stars a little later. I'm wrestling guy gets a shutout, and I'm not even sure I can <laughs> conclude him in the rink wide three stars because uh, the Canucks did not test Linus Armark uh, particularly hard in this hockey game. But uh, what do we make of the fact that the only two teams that have built a four nothing lead on the Vancouver Canucks are two teams that are built to win the Stanley Cup? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I was joking about it that I, that I there, there's your cup final matchup. If you're looking at it, the only two teams to beat the top dog and score four goals and have four four goal leads against the Vancouver Canucks are two teams that you know what they could be a, another heavyweight tilt when those two teams meet if they meet again. And it's a learning experience as well for the Vancouver Canucks. I think that I don't want to say maybe too cocky. I kind of agree with the humble pie a little bit. Maybe sometimes it is good to be brought back down to earth a little bit. But when you get punched in the mouth the way that you do and the way that they just did by the Boston Bruins, you're going to want a response. So I want to see what Rick Tockett and his staff are, are going to do if, if they have a practice on on Friday and and things like that. But uh, yeah, this it's suddenly how a Saturday afternoon game in Detroit on Super yeah. Bowl weekend is now very, very interesting, Jeff. Yeah, it's got some added intrigue without a doubt. So the second time the Canucks have been down 4 nothing in a hockey game. Uh, also, the second time they've been shut out this season. The other one was uh, by Carter Hart. And the, am I allowed to mention his name? Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers. And that was uh, game number three of the regular season. So I uh, haven't been held off the score sheet in a long, long time. Uh, this was game number 51. And so the Canucks suffer their 12th outright loss of the season. Now 34-12-5. They remain on 73 points and they're tied there now by the Boston Bruins, who take the two points here against the Canucks with this 4-0 victory. This is Rink-Wide Vancouver. 
Brought to you in part by Seagram's VO Select Canadian Whiskey, artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. It's a Canadian product. It's distilled in Montreal, but it's available across the country. And here in British Columbia, Seagram's VO Select is currently available in select BC liquor stores. So visit Seagram's VO Select on the BC Liquor Store website to purchase or find it in your nearest liquor store. Jeff and Earth with you as we continue to break things down. You're going to hear from the coach and some player reaction. We'll get uh, listener reaction a little bit later on, a stat that stands out. Uh, we'll come to a conclusion on our three-star selection and we'll look ahead at what's left on this road trip. Uh, Canucks gave us a lot to talk about, not necessarily the kind of material that fans were hoping for. You're right. I mean, you said it earlier. I think uh, with the buildup and the hype for this game, like, if you lose 4-3 to three and you put in an honest effort, I think people can live with that. It's just the fact that uh, the no-show from the Canucks, something that we just haven't seen from this group for much of this season. A whole lot more still ahead here. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Lots of talking points to come out of a 4-0 Canucks loss in Boston. We've had our say, Jeff and Earth with you here. Uh, the coach had a lot to say as well. Now, usually we will play a clip or two from Rick Tockett, but uh, we've had the opportunity to hear his post-game remarks, and we wanted to let you hear sort of a three-minute stretch. Uh, we'll include the questions as well, because uh, he covers a lot of ground, as you can imagine, not happy. Not happy with the result, not happy with the effort, not happy with uh, certain players, although he doesn't name names, but you can probably figure it out. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Rick talking in the wake of a 4 nothing loss in Boston. It's our first loss in a while, so if you're going to lose, I guess you're going to throw a dud. That was a dud. We gave too many, I mean, two short-handed goals. That's, can't have, you know, obviously, it's obviously learning lesson you know it's, i'm tired of you know i'm sure coaches are tired of saying that not saying myself but in general and uh this is a learning les lesson right now were those effort mistakes or coverage mistakes on the i think it was both i think it was both of them to look at it you know you got you know we talked about our pre uh, scout power play meeting they they go for it you have to defend you that means you have to defend you can't go for escape is this an opportunity? Sorry, on that first one, so you needed a, an actual regroup for when Thatcher had it behind the net. Well, I think Thatcher, you know, I think he could have made a better play, but after that, every, you just, we have one extra guy. Everybody hustled back. You take a guy and, you know, you know, you guys saw it, and we leave a guy in front, uh, you know, a great hockey player. So, and then we give a breakaway, you know, when we shouldn't. We just gave, we just gave him four goals. It wasn't. That's really what it goes down to. Four shorthanded goals in your last three games. Yeah. That hasn't been an issue for your power play all year. Is there something you guys need to adjust to or, or teams playing you higher or something? No, it's just connection. It's connection. Um, and it's, you know, when the puck gets dumped down, you got to hustle back. That's, it's it's, it's a, an effort thing, and it's being connected. So, you know, obviously we got to clean it up because, you know, that's way too many. I mean, that's, you know, I don't even think you should have that many in a year. You know, you got to be careful of that stuff. You mentioned first loss in a while. So yeah. how will you deal with the team after this one? Is it something like a teaching moment or are we just let them Yeah, I mean, them? it's a teaching moment. It's a big game. A lot of eyes were on us tonight. They didn't play well their last game. Their coach kind of called them out, you know. Um, and, um, you know, they showed up. And we just, we just made some stupid mistakes. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah. You're in big games. You got to really got to make sure that you don't make mistakes, and you got to you have to have effort every. You know, I thought some guys played well. I mean, I, mean, I thought some guys tried and played, but uh, to, unfortunately, we had half the guys were they weren't there. Third line looked like it was your yeah. best line again. Is that a problem, though? If they're all well, I don't know. If it's a, the best well, listen, we need some. You know, we need a couple guys here. Let's go. I mean, come on, it's. They were good tonight, some guys, and they have been good, frankly, last. You know, these are this, when you, these are big time games. You know, Marshawn and Pasternak, you know, great players, and they showed up. You know, we got to have that kind of thing. Now, listen, there's our first loss in like I don't know how many games, 13, 14. So, <clears throat> I can't get too critical, but these are big games. You'd like to see a little bit better from some guys, and you know, those two short the, the short end goals really is a is something you cannot do in big critical games. All right, Earth, there's a lot to break down there. I <laughs> uh, called it a dud a couple of times, referred to the stupid mistakes, uh, caught himself before he named names, Yeah, but you can fill in the blanks yourself. We know that he name-checked Elias Pedersen after was it the St. Louis game, I think, on the recent homestand, and that caused some waves in the market, so maybe he was uh, just trying to deflect a, a little bit of the heat away, but uh, pretty evident there that... Uh, uh, he needs more from his top-end guys, and anybody that watched the game recognized that. But, uh, you know, not screaming and yelling. He wasn't seething, but to watch the video and his body language, you can tell he's pissed. He's not happy, nor should he be. No, and and I think that even when you watch the video, and even just listening to him, Jeff, like, it, it very much so is a learning experience for this team. And and even some of the stuff that he, he says about, you know, you got to go out and fight for your ice. And that's what that's what makes hockey fun. And, and that's why you play in these big games. And, yeah, he didn't want to put anyone on blast again. You know what I mean? <laughs> the last time he did it. But, uh, look, it's it's very evident who he was talking about and, and what was going on. He said he liked basically one line. There were some guys that were good and played hard. But then there were other guys that didn't, and I think that we all know who those players were and and what he needs more of to see uh, from them. But, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that from this season and even last season when Rick Tockett, you know, uh, was named the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks is he's been honest, he's been open, um, he's been critical of his team when he needs to be and of players, and I think that we can appreciate that a lot, Jeff. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, Jim Montgomery had called out his team and yeah. they responded. And I guess uh, in doing so, essentially doing the same thing. You could just tell he was so incredulous too when it was presented to him about, you know, four shorthanded goals in the last three games. He's like, shouldn't give up that many in a season. But uh, here we are with this Vancouver Canucks power play that both uh, gives and takes away. Post-game audio here on Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Mr. Lube, a 100% Canadian company, a pioneer of the no-appointment oil change, warranty-approved oil changes as well, and now providing tire service and sales, no appointment needed, 16 locations in the Lower Mainland. For one near you, go to mrlube.com. All right, uh, we always do the three stars, the Rinkwide Vancouver three-star selection here on uh, the post-game pod. Uh, we look at the ones that were selected in the building in Boston. Linus Allmark does get the first star nod. I know it's a shutout, NHL shutout. Like, he did what he was asked to do. He stopped every puck that came his way. He faced 17 shots on the night. Uh, Charlie Coyle is the second star. Pavel Zaka is star number three. I've got Coyle as the first star. I just thought he makes the play to Marshawn, and I just couldn't give Brad Marchand 
the first star, or really any star, <laughs> uh, even though he opens the scoring and it's the winner. Uh, Coyle does most of the heavy lifting there. And then uh, Coyle with the headman pass to Heinen. You know, he's out there. He's killing penalties. He's creating offense. He's up to uh, 27 assists on the season now for Charlie Coyle, having a nice year in Boston. So uh, I thought Charlie Coyle was uh, a driver of the offense for them in that first period. I'm going with him as the first star. Pavel Zaka had a goal and an assist. And I don't know. Like, it wasn't like anybody absolutely took over this hockey game. Like, even Pasternak finishes with two points. But I didn't think David Pasternak was, you know, unstoppable. But the good ones do find a way to get their points. And man, is he having a season. But I went Pavel Zaka with the second star and then throw a nod to Pasta. Why not? Uh, two more points for him as he pushes towards uh, the top of the NHL scoring race. So uh, honorable mention to Linus Arlmark and no honorable mention to anybody wearing a Canuck jersey. Even the guys on the third line who were good uh, for the Canucks, sorry, not good enough to be in the conversation to be among the three stars uh, on Rinkwide Vancouver. No, I, and look, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I might have given some love to... To Brad Marchand, I know people in these farms aren't going to like it. Game winner. You got the game winner. I, I don't know. care what you say. No, I get it. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on the rest of it. I mean, look, there's absolutely no reason for a Canuck to even come close to that stat sheet on the, on, on the good side of it. And the Bruins were just a better team from the moment the puck dropped to the moment the game ended. They kicked the teeth into the Vancouver Canucks. You know what was incredible, too, was and we talked about lack of response here and there. Uh, so you're down one nothing. Like, there were still forty a minute and 45 seconds left on that power play to open the game, and the Canucks didn't even get a shot. Yeah. So, again, another indication of no response. Like, go down the ice, tie the game up, and hit restart, and it's a one-all tie, and, you know, no problems. But not a single shot on goal on that first power play of the hockey game. And when you look at the way the first period went, the final shots were 11-4 to four in the opening 20 minutes. The Canucks had one shot on goal over the final 17 minutes of the first period. Like they had three in the first three minutes and then JT Miller off the turnover. Besser found Miller off to the side and got a pretty decent look. I mean, it was one of Allmark's better saves. Uh, And then on that same sequence, Miller ended up uh, running into Hampus Lindholm and drew a penalty. Uh, But uh, yeah, one shot on goal. You're down one nothing, and you muster one shot on goal over the final 17 minutes of the first. Kind of just summed up the night for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll listen to what you have to say as the listeners. We always appreciate your feedback. We'll dip into our feedback channels. We'll have a stat that stands out and a look ahead to what's to come here over a, an early weekend. Uh, I don't know if you have to set your alarms. Like, they're 10 o'clock starts Pacific time. It's not like they're playing at 6 in the morning. And I always think with these early starts to her, like when they, the end of that last long road trip in Columbus... And people are like, oh, it's so early. Like, there are time zones at play. Like, it's it's a one o'clock in Detroit. Like, they're not playing at seven in the morning. So, yes, it's earlier than normal. But I also think, like, it's not so unnatural. Like, there are matinees that are played throughout the season in the National Hockey League. It's ha- it happens and you just have to deal with it, and we'll see how the Canucks deal with it. Well, I know that we'll deal with the listener feedback. We'll uh, dip in and see what you had to think uh, about this one. Canucks fall 4-0 to the Boston Bruins. Jeff and Irv with you. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Well, we do Rinkwide Vancouver after each and every Canucks game, and we appreciate your loyalty, and hopefully you've been along for the ride 
Uh, the beauty of this season has been that uh, we've been breaking down victories far more often than losses, and that's a, a nice departure from the last couple of seasons. But uh, you take them as you come. We work with the material earth that we're presented, and there wasn't a whole lot from uh, the visitors in their road whites in this one. So uh, if you don't like the tone of the show, take it up with the hockey club. We're just uh, dealing with what we watched as the Canucks fell 4 nothing in Boston. We'll get to some listener feedback here on a lot of it, and we appreciate uh, everybody chiming in with their thoughts. Uh, we'll pick a few here in a moment, uh, but we always do a stat that stands out uh, in the final segment of each and every post-game podcast episode, and I think the stat that stands out in this one is uh, the shorthanded goals, the fact that uh, they gave up two, the first two in the first period. Did you see the league put out the statistic that the Marchand goal, 32 seconds in, was the third fastest shorthanded goal in history uh, two seconds off the record, uh, and, and you think about it, it's not often that teams would find themselves in that situation, uh, down a man early and having a chance to score 32 seconds in a hockey game like Marchand did, although I thought, like, I, I guess I figured somewhere along the line, whether it was like the, you know, the brawl, the Flames and the Canucks 10 years ago, or even just like a high stick right off the opening faceoff, like, you know, maybe a team would get to the power play in the first five seconds of a game and a team would have an opportunity here uh, the penalty came at the 15-second mark, and 17 seconds later, Marshawn with his 25th of the year. But the stat that stands out is sort of a, uh, a multitude of stats, and it is two in the first period, one as early uh, they gave up, and then ultimately five now in six hockey games. Certainly something to monitor here moving forward for the Vancouver Canucks. We know the power play can do damage, but uh, also uh, getting... Uh, getting finding itself in some trouble of late, and we'll see if they can rectify that as they move on to Detroit on Saturday. All right, uh, let's dip into our feedback channels at Rinkwide Van. Chris says, after a horrid first period, they came out flat and were down 4 nothing in less than a minute. And I do think, like, outside of the final score, maybe that's the biggest frustration for me on the night was you had a chance in the intermission to regroup to... You know, if you felt you had to make some tactics, you didn't give up a five-on-five five goal. It wasn't like you got absolutely schooled in the first period, but the shots were 11-4, to four, and it was the first gone in 60 seconds, if you will, uh, to start that second period. Just didn't like the response from the Vancouver Canucks on a lot of levels, but particularly the way they started that second period. Hussein says, first time this year they compounded mistakes and let it completely unravel something they haven't done since last year. I think uh, there is an element of truth to that that, uh, you know, we, we we certainly have seen enough of that over the years, but uh, they've done such a good job, you know, on the rare nights where they have given up the first goal, they respond so often, usually get that one back and then take the lead themselves. There was none of that happening for the Vancouver Canucks. In this one, Kyle says, these kinds of losses have to happen. If they think playing the Bruins is a test in pressure, wait till they're down a game in a playoff series. And I think that's a great point. Like, this was game 51, yes, there was some hype, and I bought into it as well. Like, I wanted to see a heavyweight slugfest. But ultimately, it's one of 82. They're going to lose some more, and you're right. Like, what happened here on the, whatever it is, 8th of February, ultimately pales in comparison to anything that's going to happen for this team in April and hopefully for them into May. So, yeah, and I, I do think, like, it is fair to wonder if these guys are truly battle-tested and hardened and ready for a lengthy playoff run. Now, you know, the bubble was the bubble, and it's the only experience that Pedersen and Hughes and Besser and Demko have 
uh, at the NHL level in the playoffs, but they've all played big games elsewhere when you think of national championships and world championships and those types of things. So these guys have experience, but you know, that bubble was unlike anything that they'll ever see again. And they're going to get, uh, I won't say a rude awakening, but I think that it will be a reality check when they go out on the road in the playoffs, uh, you know, hostile environment, rabid fan bases and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully they can take, uh, even though it was a bad experience, hopefully they take the experience from this one and recognize that uh, top end guys weren't anywhere close to good enough and they're going to have to step it up a whole lot more uh, a lot of nights here down the stretch. No, absolutely. And I think oh, yeah, it, it was funny, but even Bruins fans were leaving early because they knew it was <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Like the, the game was well out of reach. It was 4 nothing. Their team smoked the Canucks. They've seen that story before. Game 7 Cup Final, what was the score there? I mean, look, I think that when, when you look at, you know, the, if the Canucks were going to look in there to try to go in there and exercise some demons for, for the fan base that just wants so much of it every time the Canucks play the Bruins, it just wasn't it. The Canucks didn't have it. They didn't have it from the drop of the first period. And I agree with you, Jeff, is the, the concerning part was they didn't have it from the beginning of the second period either. And that's kind of where it all fell apart for them. William says the lack of effort from the top players, third line was the only one that tried to create something while being defensively responsible. And yeah, I mean, they expect the third line to show up and they do almost every single night. Uh, production has slowed down a little bit, but uh, again, at the rate that they were scoring, I guess that's understandable that you're just not going to get goals every single night from those guys. It just kind of felt that way through much of December and pretty much all of January, but to still... Dakota Joshua draws the the penalty. We talked about uh, Connor Garland getting into it and at least trying to show a little bit of emotion there. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens now. Forget about it, the old short memory thing here and uh, on to Detroit uh, for the Saturday game. And and look, early starts have not been kind to the Canucks. You think of the back-to-back weekend early starts in December. They lost a 2-1 shootout game in Minnesota where they kind of really never got out of first year. Like they were just spinning their wheels for most of that game. And in fact, uh, it was the Bluger Garland Joshua line that scored the only goal for the Canucks. And then the next day into Chicago, you know, it's the Blackhawks. And I know Connor Bedard was in their lineup, but like they win four to three. They fell behind. They were outshot 12, nothing, I think in the first period. So, uh, you know, not exactly their best efforts, uh, early starts. And now they've got Two of them here on the weekend, back-to-back, Detroit and Washington. They go back to Minnesota for another early start on President's Day later on this month. So, uh, you know, again, like you deal with the schedule as it comes and there's no excuse. Like you're pro, you're paid well to perform, whether it's a noon start or a seven o'clock start. And uh, they got added ammunition and motivation, or at least they should, after getting spanked by the Boston Bruins here. So, Looking forward to it. I look forward to every Canuck game because it gives us an opportunity to do another edition of Rink Wide. You and I will be back on Saturday to do that one as well. But Red Wings are one of those teams that, I mean, they've, they've got some pieces and Canucks can't take anybody for granted. They know that they're getting everybody's best effort these days. So uh, more about the Canucks than the Red Wings, I think, in terms of uh, what to look for on Saturday. No, absolutely. And, and I think that when you're the Vancouver Canucks and you can hopefully... You have enough thick skin that you can shake this one off a little bit. But there are some lessons to be had. Yes, the power play wasn't good. Obviously, the special teams is what killed you in this game. But it was, you know, you can lose on any given night. I mean, not against a bad team. But when you get your lunch fed to you from a team that's just as good as you in the standings, 
that's a learning experience. And, and I think that, you know, most of these guys are going to hopefully be able to go and take that. And even, you know, for the coaching staff as well, maybe there's something else that they need to, to prepare this team to do differently before going up against big teams and big games and be in big moments. Because like you mentioned, Jeff, like that, like one of our listeners had said that imagine what, what's going to happen when they're down one, nothing or down two one in a series playing game four on the road or, or, or wherever it is or whatever it might be. Um, those, those are the situations where you play all season for. So yes, the game against the Boston Bruins in early February, they got smoked, but it's all going to matter more a little bit in April and May. And just for people maybe that haven't tracked the Detroit Red Wings, uh, they're holding down the second wildcard spot in the East. So they are above the playoff bar right now. Again, haven't played since before the break. So we'll see if that impacts them at all, but 26, 18 and six, a little bit of a homecoming for Quinn Hughes, of course, all of uh, his time at the University of Michigan and his off-season home, Dakota Joshua, uh, Ian Cole, Michigan guys as well, at least from the state of Michigan. So uh, there are a few guys that uh, maybe even a little added motivation, but uh, really the motivation should stem from the fact that nobody, nobody was good enough for the Vancouver Canucks in a 4 nothing loss to the Boston Bruins. That's going to do it for this edition of Rinkwide for Earth. This is Jeff. Again, we appreciate your support. We'll be back with another episode on Saturday after the Canucks take on the Red Wings. But that's going to do it for this one. 4 nothing. the final Bruins shutout, the Vancouver Canucks. Thanks so much for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Vancouver.